Welcome to the Bridging Connections podcast. This podcast will introduce you to the people who are on the cutting edge of Jewish innovation. You will be hearing from founders and directors of contemporary organizations creating new paths to participate in Jewish life. In this podcast, you will learn about best practices, tips for engagement, and how to create meaningful connections. This is a place that will bridge you to the tools and resources used by the Jewish leaders, visionaries, and innovators that are creating a new sustainable Judaism. I'm your host, Elizabeth Gossage, and I welcome you to come bridge the gap with me. Warm hospitality, interactive dialogue, and good food. What more could you ask for? FedSocial provides this and much more. Their website says, Fed is like TED Talks, but you also get Fed. I'm excited to introduce FedSocial and its founder, Deborah Fishman Shelby. Fed is a platform for ideas built into an inclusive community with delicious food, inspirational talks, music, and art. A Fed event presents motivational and entertaining stories and ideas from across the world. Fed's programs provide a place rich in Jewish creativity where people from all backgrounds feel included. Fed aims to inspire reflection, help us find a sense of purpose, and be our best selves. During a conversation in the height of the pandemic, Deborah said, Connection and dialogue are the antidote to isolation. Even as the pandemic wanes, we still need more connections. Fed Social is a great remedy. Please enjoy this conversation with Deborah Fishman Shelby. I'm so glad you're here on the podcast today, and I'm very excited to talk to you about your Jewish journey and mostly about Fed Social. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to hear and talk to you. So can you tell me a little bit of your background that brought you to creating Fed Social? Sure. I grew up in Wilton, Connecticut, which is not really known for its Jewish population. In fact, my parents had moved from Stanford, which is a bigger city that has a Jewish day school, to Wilton, which has a better public school, so that I wouldn't come home asking questions about you know, Jewish holidays and Jewish experiences, which they didn't teach me about in my other life. I was always very proud to be Jewish. Um, and Hanukkah time, my mother would come into the public school and do Hanukkah with the kids. I remember my mom did that too. <laughs> How fun. That yeah. was fun. I'd be so proud. I was, I was really bursting with pride. In general, I, I feel like I grew up in a very isolated way in Wilton. There were no sidewalks, so it was a little difficult to travel to friends' houses. And I really always craved community, and my life since then has been a search for community in various ways. Fascinating. So I guess what comes up for me when you say that is, why Jewish community? Yes. So as I said, I was always very proud of being Jewish, even though I didn't really know what that meant. I went to Princeton, which has an 11% Jewish uh, population at least had at the time, which seemed like a lot coming from Wilton. <laughs> it has a beautiful center for Jewish life. And I became active as the head of the Israel club and was involved there. And um, because it's such a small community, everyone knows people of different perspectives than themselves. And then I had an encounter where I was writing for uh, Princeton student newspaper. And there was this really juicy story that a Chabad house moved in which created a competition with the Center for Jewish Life. And I rushed to cover this story. I found myself face-to-face -face with a Chabad rabbi with a big beard and a black hat, which was not the type I was used to coming from Welton. 
instead of answering my questions, he turned it all on me and asked about me. And before I knew it, I found myself at his home on Friday afternoons. I would study Torah with him and pluck chickens to prepare for Shabbat with his wife. There's something so beautiful about preparing for Shabbat, connecting you forward in time, backward in time, all around the world with other Jews doing the same thing. And this concept has really stayed with me all my life. And, and I find it very powerful and influential, even in my work with Fed to this day. I so relate to your story because during college, also found myself face-to-face with a Chabad rabbi. Uh-huh. I also had a similar background that I grew up in a suburb of Chicago that isn't known for much of a Jewish population. So your story is very similar to mine in a sense. And I really feel connected with you just by hearing that entry point. Amazing. Thank you. I know that you have been involved in other organizations in the Jewish community. Can you tell me something about that journey and what you've gained from them and what those organizations are? Sure. So really, at Princeton, I majored in Russian studies and Slavic languages and literatures. But what really combined into my professional career was the combination of the student newspaper, which I mentioned, being the head of the Israel Club, and my passion for the Jewish community and for journalism and, and communications more broadly. So after that, I worked for the as a Jewish professional for the American Zionist movement. I worked for Present Tense. Um, I was actually the editor and publisher of Present Tense magazine, which was a very meaningful experience for me working with a network of 80 writers, editors, artists all around the world who contributed to each in-print issue. Then after that, I worked for the Avichai Foundation as the Director of Communications. Along the way, I've also been very involved with ROI as a local ROI grassroots igniter. And now I'm the network manager and an advisor for Hakel, the Jewish Intentional Communities Incubator. Wow. So you have a varied past and you're still so active and it's very Exciting. Thank you. I'd love to hear then what led up to the formation of Fed Social. Sure. So basically, um, it started with my love of throwing dinner parties, throwing Shabbat and, and holiday parties. I used to live on the Upper West Side in Manhattan, and we'd have these huge Shabbat meals for 20 or 30 people in our Manhattan sized apartment. And what I found through that experience was that shared meals around Jewish values and holidays is a really powerful way for people to connect with something larger than them and with each other, whether or not they are themselves of the Jewish faith. And I really believe that when people break bread together in this way, it transcends boundaries and allows people to really connect on a deep level. So I was having these dinner parties and that's really when the idea for Fed hit me, that it's like TED Talks, but you also get fed. The idea was if there is a TED talk, you hear the talk and then it ends. The speaker goes away and you're you're in a Jewish sense, you're you're left with questions that you don't have an answer for. So what if there was a TED talk, but instead of it turning off when it's over, the speaker was actually in the room with you and you could engage with the person, find out the backstory, actually converse in a real way. And the beauty of this idea is that the talk becomes the fodder for the conversation around the dinner table, which elevates the conversation beyond the typical New York City, so what do you do? and allows attendees to go deeper with one another and really connect. And then since then, Fed has also branched out into the arts. We have musical, dance, theater performances all over dinner parties. And the events also have an experiential or participatory component. At this point, we've had around 150 dinner parties, mostly in New York City, also internationally working with local communities in Paris, in Budapest, in Jerusalem, in Beersheba, in Buenos Aires and more, um, largely through the support and network of ROI grassroots events, as well as Hakel, as I mentioned. One thing that sparked in me when you were describing this is that the way you're doing this beyond a TED Talk brings in every sense. 
every one of the five senses and you have a very complete experience in that way. It's exciting to think about it that way, because of course, we all know that everyone participates in the way that best suits their sensual needs. Absolutely. That's what I like about it. It's so unique. Thank you. Can you go into a little bit more detail about how these dinner parties work, how people find out about it, and uh, maybe even talk about funding? That would be interesting, I think. Sure. So people find out about it through the network, which has grown over time, friends of friends, and that's largely how it's grown. The way it works is that we right now charge for admission to the experience. We have received some funding, as I said before, from ROI grassroots events, as well as from the Hakel or a community involved with Hakel. And we've received some other grants in the Jewish community, but largely we actually just were founded as a nonprofit called Fed to Noor. It's very new in the last week or so, I would say. So, Oh, how exciting for you. Thank you so much. Mazel tov. Um, so largely we haven't been funded by grants. I really believed from the beginning, which is why I started it as a company, that if the project were to be successful, it would be supported by the community and, and that everyone would participate. So we have a membership model and we're really offering a service which people can, can pay for and participate in. Okay. So of course, I have to ask you, we're in a pandemic. People aren't meeting together to have meals. How has what you're doing changed and become pandemic friendly? Yes, it's a very good question. I feel, first of all, that Fed is in a lot of ways the antidote to some of the isolation and the loneliness, both that I've experienced personally and that I know many have experienced, unfortunately, during this time of quarantines and the pandemic, which is kind of ironic because we can't gather and and have dinner parties to solve this. I really feel the pandemic was an opportunity to feel out what was the core of this idea, what really was driving it. Was it the food? Was it, you know, the arts? Was it, what was it? And and the answer for me is really connection and dialogue, which is, is the answer to these emotions of loneliness and everything we're feeling. It's really the connection, the dialogue. And we've designed experiences around this idea suit this current times. So we've been organizing a, a weekly virtual space called Fed Tables which is based around the ritual of Havdalah. We present content in the form of speakers and performers, followed by using breakout rooms as tables, kind of like you would find at a fed in-person dinner party, where you can have more intimate facilitated conversation. And now at this point, we're offering hybrid events where some people come in person and others participate online in order to meet everyone where they are at this rather confusing time. Yes, I understand that. I have this image of mud, which would be the pandemic, the mud, And what you've done is created the lotus out of the mud Hmm. and made something beautiful out of this difficult trying time. Yes, that's definitely been the goal. In every crisis, there is an opportunity. And we've definitely been thinking strategically about what we can do to address the crisis, as I said, about loneliness and isolation and everything that's been happening. How long has Fed been around? We had our first dinner party in August of 2015. Oh, That's quite a long time. And where do you see the future of it going? Great question. So we actually have a new project, which is called the Oyvind, which is sort of the future, I think, part of the answer of the future direction. Oyvind is Yiddish for oven, and the project reclaims the Jewish spirit of a communal oven. For centuries in villages from Poland to Morocco, communal ovens served as gathering points for a social exchange. I imagine that while people were there, there were recipes swapped, stories you know, shared, and cooperation strengthened as people kind of came together around this oven. So our oven is a platform not only for 
communal cooking and food, but also ideas and art. So we join people together in the experience of both shaping challah and preparing other foods and also engaging in Jewish creativity, text and dialogue. And we envision ultimately having a commercial space in Manhattan that would be a focal point via communal oven where people could come and make and break bread together. And this summer, we're actually going to take the Oyvind mobile oven on the road and have a oh, cool thanks have outdoor community building events as well as retreats and shabbatons within a five-hour driving radius of new york city so not making it quite to chicago at this point although we, we hope to in the future um this concept's been really enthusiastically received I, I think it really resonates to have a physical oven that we're gathering around as sort of a metaphor for the whole fed experience sort of a visceral manifestation of everything we're working towards in terms of providing connection and dialogue around the focal point of food and content. It's so exciting. It just makes me realize how many opportunities and ideas are out there that we could put into place and continue to innovate Jewish space and Jewish engagement. Absolutely. And that's what I'm all about is different ways to engage Jewishly. Um, so I heard you mention that you have people coming that are Jewish or not. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that. Sure. So the root of the experience is based around Jewish values, like dialogue and even argument, <laughs> uh, as well as inclusivity and creativity and, and all these kinds of Jewish values, as well as Jewish experiences such as holidays and ritual and things like that. But the people who join the experience are not necessarily Jewish themselves, although many are. We're very open and welcoming to people from a huge variety of backgrounds, and I think it enriches the conversation. So it's Jewish experience that anyone is invited to participate in. As someone who's studied Jewish values, it seems to me that our Jewish values are definitely values that others hold to. Absolutely. To me, it makes sense that it wouldn't be just for Jewish people, as well as the thought that the more open we are, the more people understand who we are and where we've come from. And it helps dispel anti-Semitism and just misconception of Jewish life. I don't want to say Jewish religion. I want to say Jewish life because we know it's a full culture. Yes. And I also feel like what Fed does really well is, is break the Jewish experience into components that are universal. I've written a couple of Haggadahs for, for seders and, and other holiday type rituals where it's really anyone who comes is able to grasp the essential meaning of the holiday and, and what it's all about. And I feel like it sort of demystifies and, and in terms of fighting anti-Semitism, I think it's absolutely right. Like it sort of demystifies and opens people up to something larger than themselves that's universal and, and that connects them and grounds them in, in a hopefully helpful way. I have a huge collection of Haggadot, Haggadahs. Mm -hmm. That's something that for some reason I have always been drawn to. Mm -hmm. I think for the most part, because of the art that's in many of them, I'd be very interested if in seeing the ones you've created and it would be great if you would share those with me. And I don't know how you feel about this, but maybe you would share them with my audience. I don't know how you feel about that, but that would be amazing. I'm happy to share. The main one I've written is an empowerment Haggadah. So it's taking the Passover experience of going from slavery to freedom and internalizing it and finding ways to become personally empowered wherever you are and, and no matter your, your background, as I've said, really just unlocking, using the Passover ritual to unlock your personal promised land. It reminds me of the deep richness of our culture and how there are so many aspects with which we can modernize and utilize 
in modern times for our lives now and making them relevant. That's beautiful. Completely agree. Is there anything else about Fed Social that you'd like to share with our audience? I think the other aspect of it that's interesting to me is about the way we invite people to exercise their own personal creativity and also their own Judaism. I think when it comes to creativity and, and also Judaism, there's often an assumption that it, it should be passively consumed. You often hear something like, I'm not artistic or I'm not creative. And sometimes art projects are relegated to sort of children's play or arts and crafts and adults kind of balk at engaging in that. But we believe that creativity can be empowering, that it can redirect anxiety, generate self-confidence, even create products that are, that are meaningful and, and useful. And likewise with Judaism, people sometimes feel they don't have enough knowledge to engage in Jewish life and they have to consume it passively. And what we're trying to do is to reclaim hands-on creativity and participatory Judaism and arts in order to live out Jewish values and Jewish life. So I hope that that's an essential part of the experience that I, I just wanted to share with you. No, I am so happy that you shared that because I think you're not the only one doing this. And it's great that we have organizations that are, again, rethinking the way we can share our Jewish community, our values. And Jewish Studio Project came to mind because they're also mm -hmm. doing quite a bit of this. So it's exciting. Can you tell me some organizations in the Jewish community that really excite you? Yes, there are many, especially excited to see all the amazing Jewish food projects that explore the diversity and the resiliency of Jewish food. One of my favorites to watch is The Wandering Jew, which is based out of Montreal and does really exciting work at uncovering creative and global recipes. They have cooking workshops. It's really cool. There's also the Jewish Food Society, Gefilteria, many, many other Jewish food organizations doing innovative things. I'm also involved, as I mentioned, with Pekel, the Jewish Intentional Communities Incubator, and we have around 150 emerging Jewish communities around the diaspora in all parts of the world that are doing innovative work and in gathering Jews together in community. So there's many organizations or emerging communities that, uh, for instance, are leveraging arts and culture. I, I lead a sub-network of arts and culture-related communities. There's co-housing communities that are they're actually living together in Jewish life together. There's Lazos, a network of communities in Latin America. We have Russian communities. And I really think these grassroots efforts are important and meaningful in creating and really building Jewish life for the future. You mentioned one that I didn't quite get. You said something about, I heard you say the word gefilte fish, right? Gefilteria. I've never heard of that. Gefilteria. Yeah. Tell me about that. <laughs> yes. Jeffrey and Liz from Gefilteria are basically revolutionizing gefilte fish as well as other traditional Eastern European foods and making them cool again, which is pretty awesome. Amazing. I didn't know about that. And gefilte fish is an interesting food because either you really like it or you really don't. <laughs> and, but they're trying to change that. So we'll see. <laughs> right. So it, it's interesting. And I think many people, it's a very acquired taste. Mm. And isn't that true about so many things, not just food, right? So many things are an acquired taste. And if we're introduced to them, it can pique our interest. I love that. Absolutely. That's so fun. So someone that is kind of wandering and thinking, I'd like to get connected through to the Jewish community. What advice would you give them? I think it goes back to what I was saying before about being active and being and actually participating and sort of reclaiming the tradition as your own. 
I feel like as much as you can put into in yourself and into Jewish engagement, the more you'll get out of it. There's so many different facets ranging from, you know, the arts and food to the more spiritual components. And, you know, there's Israel, there's the diaspora, there's worldwide, you know, there's, there's so many Jewish traditions that are so interesting and, and inspiring and so many rituals and, and holidays and experiences and just traditions that you can choose from, but just picking something and sort of making your own and being active about it and, and not sort of putting it aside as something that someone else needs to do to you, but rather something you can do for yourself. I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you tell me one holiday or one tradition that you've really taken and made it your own? Yes, I can. So I love all the holidays, really. But I, I really love this tradition on Purim of having a Purim spiel or some sort of play or spiel. So I have a tradition of writing a Purim spiel. It's always very silly and imaginative. And uh, I sort of recruit Fed and other participants to read out the parts. We've done the last two over Zoom and it's been very fun and, and just creative. And, and I, I love writing these things and, and just revisiting the story every year and finding yet another angle or way in. This year, Esther and the whole crew were, were on a movie crew trying to film a movie together. So just being creative and a little silly with it. And sometimes you get to a depth and a new meaning and a new realization about, about it that you wouldn't have experienced otherwise. So just putting yourself in the characters and, and getting into it is very fun for me. That's a great reminder that Purim is not only for children. Yes, absolutely. Completely agree. I always end my podcast with asking what you're grateful for today. That's a great question. Thank you for asking that. First of all, I'm grateful to you. Thank you. <laughs> to speak about myself and my work. Such a pleasure. Um, I'm also grateful for all the others who have joined with me on this journey with Fed, who believe in me and this vision and are actively working with me in order to make it a reality. Most especially, I would say my husband, Brian Shelby, who is very involved in Fed, as well as Kevin Jost, who's the director of Fed Stage, and the other members of the Fed board, Marisha Swartz, Asha Barlev, and Jack Ben-Harari. I'm really grateful to them and to everyone who has come to Fed and, and brought it to life. Thank you for sharing that. If someone is interested in learning more about Fed and what you're doing, what should they do? And let me clarify, I will have your website and all your social media contacts in our show notes, but you know, I'd love to hear you talk about that. Yes. So we welcome everyone to come here to Harlem and in New York city and, and experience it for themselves. I think, uh, that's the best best way to do it. If you're not currently in New York City, we do offer this Fed Tables program where people can participate online and, and come. We've had people from all over the world <laughs> tuning in to Fed Tables in general. Um, I would say that there's lots of opportunities to bring us to different places. Um, we're having this road tour, as I mentioned, this summer and with the Oyvind. And I'd love to hear from you if there's other ways we can work together that you'd like to be involved. Great. So it will be in the show notes how you can contact Deborah and learn more about Fed. Thank you so much for chatting with me and sharing Fed with me. I'm excited to showcase and show the community what is going on and so they know about different potential avenues into our community. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridging Connections podcast. This podcast and Bridges 613 will succeed if its social media reach is wide. Please partner with us to promote this important work. You can follow us on Facebook, 
at Bridges613 and visit our website at www.bridges613.org. There, you can read blogs, listen to past podcasts, and subscribe to our newsletter. Please share the podcast and our social media links with your community and enable others to benefit and learn about the groundbreaking innovation taking place in our beloved Jewish community. Your support is greatly appreciated.